Hello, and welcome to the DC Insider Employer Update Podcast. This podcast updates you with the expertise and current insight of the Washington, D.C.-based attorneys from the Fortney Scott Law Firm. Each episode highlights the most important issues and analysis that employers need to know in order to understand and react to key federal developments affecting their business. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice on any subject matter. Now let's turn it over to our host, Pete Waltz. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. And let's welcome our DC insiders from Fortney Scott who are joining us again for this update. David Fortney, how are you? Terrific. How are you doing, Peter? Just fine. Thanks. Bert, what about you? Hi, Pete. Good to be here. And Nita, glad to have you back as well. Great to be here. Thanks, Pete. So let's open up. we got a lot to cover and a lot of uh, interesting information. David, if you could start us out, give us the headlines and the rundown from last week, if you would. Sure. I'll be happy to kick that off. Although there's a lot going on, I would have to say the lead headline is the Chauvin verdict. It has just dominated every aspect of most people's lives and certainly the news cycles. And it also has dominated a good bit the administration. Uh, It fits very nicely with the agenda that the president had carved out, particularly the social justice agenda. It doubles down with respect to the interest that he has demonstrated in support for the black community. Uh, And I envision that that really provides a strong platform for many of the initiatives uh, that the administration is seeking. David, let me pick up on that. You know, uh, the president and vice president's time is their absolutely most precious political capital. And they both took the opportunity to state their position in a direct challenge to the drift in the Republican Party. They stated their position. They strongly advocated their social justice views. There may be some risks in losing the white middle class voter, but they thought this was an opportunity to, to state their political faith. It isn't just uh, the vice president, president, and other parts of the administration who are talking about this. Corporate America is coming out very strongly in a whole social justice movement. And uh, they had 200 executives sign on to a letter that was published, a full page ad in the New York Times. So it is a political opportunities abound right now, even if corporate America doesn't really want it. Well, and indeed, the cards on confirmation uh, continue to fall in Biden's direction. He had the uh, number three nominee in the U.S. uh, Department of Justice, Vanita Gupta, uh, confirmed. Interestingly, peeling off one Republican vote, Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, That is important because it may pretend that the Republican bloc may be starting to splinter on some of these issues. Also important, that puts now three women uh, in key leadership positions in the U.S. Department of Justice under Attorney General uh, Merrick Garland. So that's a very strong development. Sounds like those are starting to uh, certainly fill in positions. Let's go back to the topic of the year, of the decade, of the century, wherever wherever we're going to place it. But Bert, what's going on with COVID these days? Well, it's one of those uh, great news, bad news situations, the extraordinary success in vaccinating 60% of the American population, 200 million vaccinated Americans before the 100th day. But that last third is proving to be resistant and hardening, especially in the South. The real fear is that COVID becomes a regional disease like pellagra back in the 20s and 30s. As for the J&J incident, we hope the pause is over. The one-shot solution is still sought here and throughout the world. 
And we hope that the pause restores confidence and not adds to the resistance because we have to recognize that even in these good times, we're having 60,000 infections in America every day. Oh, my goodness. So we're looking forward to that. Nita, let's talk about the impact of COVID on the agencies, particularly EEOC. Fill us in there, if you would. EEOC is about to hold its first virtual public hearing on the civil rights implications around COVID-19 and the pandemic and what impact it's had. They have been very quiet in the Biden administration and really have not, we'll talk a little bit more, how they have not given us much guidance. So we'll see what comes out of this hearing. You know, there's a lot that's going to be happening now with these federal agencies. So let's get an update on the agencies. David, kick us off if you would. Sure. Let's go back to OSHA, which continues to be kind of, I think, the the lead story, not so much as what has happened, but continually what has not happened. The emergency temporary standard that I keep talking about, still not issued still not listed on the rulemaking process. Secretary Marty Walsh says, basically, we're looking at it, we're studying it. Interestingly, uh, consistent picking up on what Bert said a moment ago about the vaccines accelerating and a growing percentage of our population being vaccinated, it becomes more difficult to envision how OSHA will justify this regulation because the statute requires that there be a grave danger, as the statute describes. Can you really meet that test if 50, 60 percent of the population has been vaccinated? That remains to be sorted out. Another point I just want to raise because OSHA, although they haven't done anything new real recently, I don't want people to forget that they did issue the national emphasis uh, program back at the end of January. And there's a number of high risk industries that OSHA is now beginning to go on site and review. And in addition to healthcare, it includes a wide range of manufacturing, construction, and other industries. So anyone that's in those identified high-risk industries uh, should be uh, mindful and prepared for OSHA citations. So those may be coming too. Another area, David, where we talked about EEOC a minute ago, the employers have been seeking guidance. They want to try and get that last 35% or so of individuals to take those vaccines, and they want to offer incentives. Incentives potentially violate the ADA, depending on how much is involved in those incentives. EEOC has not provided any additional guidance. Uh, Employers sent a letter to them in February. They got an answer of we're working on it on April 15th. So employers really need help from the EEOC in this area. Employers really do need help. And the EEOC's answer is, frankly, we'll hold a hearing and we'll issue something thereafter. Realistically, we're not going to hear from the EEOC probably until late May, June, the same problem. Meantime, when we need the help to get the vaccines, the jabs into the arms, the EEOC is sitting around studying, holding stakeholder meetings. Honestly, I think they should just issue the guidance. You know, the EEOC is not the only one sitting on its hands. In other than COVID, the hottest areas in employment law still remain uh, independent contractor and joint employer. And the wage and hour uh, division still doesn't have an administrator nominated. They still haven't issued any kind of guidance on independent contractor. Maybe they're being stalled by the fact that their rescission of the old regulation is being challenged in court. The same is true for joint employer. As you may recall, there was a regulation issued during the Trump administration. It was blocked by the court and immediately appealed. 
The Biden administration tried to withdraw it and uh, started the process to, you know, to have no, uh, notice and comment on a new reg and asked the court to delay the argument on the appeal. That request was denied. So within the next two weeks, something is going to have to happen on the joint employer front. Either I think the uh, administration is going to support the judge and do a 180, even though the courts hate that when administrations do that. But keep your eye on that. And in the meantime, the message is we have stasis from the Department of Labor on the hottest topics in employment law. There is one area, however, OFCCP, where uh, especially federal contractors may soon get very interesting jolt. Uh, the Trump administration proposed and submitted to OMB on January the 7th verification requirements. And they came out of the 2016 GAO report, which said that OFCCP needed to monitor contractor compliance on a regular basis. The Trump administration issued a proposal that they would have a verification annually. Initially, they said, tell us which one it should be, annual verification, annual verification and upload of AAPs or verification every two years. OFCCP submitted to OMB annual verification. And the important thing about that is you will be verifying if you're a federal contractor that you have developed and maintained affirmative action programs, not just plans, programs at each establishment and or each functional or business unit then it cites to the regulation 41 CFR part 60. That is record keeping, that is applicant tracking, that is posters, that is AAPs. It is a huge amount of work. And once it becomes effective, then it, contractors will have 90 days to get into compliance. First of all, my experience is at this point, people are just totally either unaware or ignoring this requirement, simply because it hasn't yet been put in. But I want to underscore, and this is what we've been telling clients, when this is announced, you will have 90 days in order to submit this verification. We're going to talk about what that verification means. But think about that. All those regs, and there are dozens of regulations we're talking about. It is not just the AAP. In fact, I find in, in uh, people that, frankly, should know better, real subject matter experts, consultants, and others that work on these, these matters, they all thought it was, oh, if you have an AAP, you're fine. Maybe that's only one of the regulations. Yeah, let me just uh, emphasize that. I don't want to beat this uh, dead horse, but, you know, 60 part one, which is the obligations of contractors, has 47 subparts. 60-2, yep. which is affirmative action programs, has 35 subparts. As Nita said, this is from soup to nuts. This is from recruiting to posters. Please take this seriously. This is going to be a massive effort, and it's for each establishment so that multi-jurisdictional companies, companies with 30, 50, 100 AAPs, they're going to have to issue their verification for each establishment. And because it's submitted to the government, you know, it's like a filing with the SEC. Isn't that right, Nita? It is, in fact, because you're filing it under penalty of perjury. That means that whichever senior executive is signing this letter potentially 
could be subject to criminal and civil penalties if it is incorrect. And what isn't clear right now, Bert and David, is exactly what is going to be considered complete compliance because no one is 100% compliant in these areas. You may have record keeping okay, but not great. And so that's what we'll have to wait for the OFCCP to provide us additional guidance on. I think, but in the interim, as a practical matter, every contractor, every federal contractor, so that's 200 to 225,000 companies with all those establishments. So every location we're talking about is going to have to file a verification. And keep in mind, the verification is, as Bert explained, for each separate facility, just like the EEO-1 filing, except the EEO-1 allows you to file a consolidated one single report that lists out all the others. This time, the Labor Department, for reasons that are absolutely unclear to me, but in the Labor Department's wisdom, they've decided every location. So for some of our clients, they are going to file several hundred of these uh, by the deadline. Now, in terms of what needs to be done in terms of getting yourself ready, A, you've got time. B, make sure your house is in order. C, a prudent course, since you will be held you're making a statement to the government. You cannot make a false statement because there's criminal penalties that can attach. How do you protect yourself? How do you make that judgment? The way most of our clients are doing it is saying, well, I'm going to ask legal counsel to look at what I'm doing, basically bless it, or if we've got a problem, tell us so we can at least fix it and have a good faith basis in which we're going to verify. One last thing that's important to point out is this doesn't just cover federal contractors who are the ones that OFCCP knows about, federal subcontractors are required to verify as well. While it's a little bit unclear how exactly OFCCP will know who they are, they have not been on OFCCP's radar before. I'll tell you one way they are going to know. Everyone that with 100 or more employees has to file an EEO-1 report. And on that report, you check, am I a federal contractor, yes or no? If you've checked yes, the government is going to be expecting you to file a verification, and they do have the ability and they will cross-reference that immediately. Wow. Lots going on and just OFCCP and other things happening. Let's boil this down to a key takeaway each if we can. David, what's your one takeaway that you would give to employers this week? I continue to think that the workplace health and safety issues, uh, the CDC uncertainties on mass, no mass, OSHA being a little slow, If, but particularly if you're subject to the National Enforcement uh, Emphasis Program that I mentioned before, if you're one of those so-called high-risk industries, you have got to be completely buttoned down and expecting OSHA. Bert, what's your takeaway for this week? I'm going to go back to the joint employer deadline, which is looming. Uh, you know, the franchise industry is staffing up, offices are reopening, this is an issue that affects millions of businesses and workers. And uh, we'll see what the government has to say by May 7th. And Nita, what do you have as your wrap up? Clearly verification. Those of you who are federal contractors or subcontractors need to make sure you're in compliance. Start now. 90 days is not a very long time. It doesn't sound like much. And I my guess is there's even more coming down the pipeline. So for the next two podcasts, we're going to begin our review of President Biden's first 100 days and what is coming for employers. Thanks, everyone. We look forward to joining you in our next episode. Thanks, everyone. We look forward to the next update. For those that would like to connect with any of the lawyers from Fortney Scott, please reach out to them directly by visiting FortneyScott.com. 
On the website, you can also listen to previous podcast episodes, as well as pick up your copy of the DC Insider Report and sign up for future updates. Thanks so much for listening.